bless the Lord today. Let's stand together and lift him up, church, for he is worthy. He is a mighty God worthy of all our praise. Let's sing to the Lord. Thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For he is good, he is above all things. His love endures forever. We sing praise. Every heart. 
Speak his praise. It is good to bless the Lord. It is good to honor the Lord. Speak his praise, church. We lift you and magnify you, O God, for there is none like you. Hallelujah. 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 We worship you, Lord Jesus. Worship the Lord Jesus.
sing that again. You are here. Worship the Lord, church. Hallelujah. Worship the Lord, church. Worship the Lord. He is worthy of all praise, all honor, all glory. Hallelujah. We lift you in magnificence. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see that you're working. Even when I don't feel that you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You're my way maker, Lord. Way maker. 
give him glory. He is worthy. We bless you, Lord. We praise you, oh Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Continue to worship. You may be seated. Can we give Jesus a hand clap of praise in the house today? I'm sorry, ladies. I'm jumping in between you. I'm in a hurry. <laughs> We've got some t-shirts that are going to be going up this morning. As you're walking out, my wife Jennifer and um, a couple of the guys there are going to be helping her out at the back. And these are our t-shirts. Look really, really good. Austin, I actually printed these for us as far as the logo there. Did a very great job. She's not here this morning, but she did really, really good on that. Coy, I'm sure you had something to do with it. You watched her do it. So he did a great job watching, but they really look good. There's a lot of colors out there. Jennifer's going to have them. Uh, there's about five different colors for the guys. I think there's as many as seven, so that's a, a pretty good bit. And um, Bryce, catch it. I've always wanted to throw free T-shirts. I'm going to do that one Sunday. So there's a lot of different colors that you can choose from, and um, hopefully you can get those. Only going to be $10 a piece. That's cheap. We're actually um, paying for some of it and just asking you to hit $10 of it. And um, so go ahead and get one for the family. A little new. Um, we made it like the sign, so it's a change from our last T-shirts. And these right here are really, really soft. So if you like soft T-shirts, you are going to love these. Feel really, really good couple more announcements. Your child, Don Chavis, is going to be with us next Sunday. Uh, he will be doing a little, probably around three-minute uh, presentation, just going to come up probably like what would typically be like what you would consider an offering time or something like that or announcement time. And I'm going to get Don to come up, and he will be giving you some information next Sunday on Europe's Child. This is a ministry that we're partnering with in our missions um, department or missions area in the church. And so he'll be here to give you some information standing at the back after service, too, if you want to know more about that ministry. We sent $500 to them just this past council meeting, and so we're hoping it's a ministry that you would like to partner up with as well. We got Gap Widows meeting Tuesday, July 18th at 12 noon. Donna Johnson, my mother-in-law, will be the speaker, so come prepared for revival to break out. <laughs> Widows that come out shouting, praise God. If you have your Bibles today, the book of John chapter 21 is where I want to go today. And I want to preach a sermon entitled, Equality Doesn't Exist in the Kingdom. Now, I know some of you are already ready to tweet it and you're ready to argue about it. And I guess people that are screaming equality in this generation, uh, it's taking on a whole new definition, I guess. But just give me just a few minutes here and I'm going to minister to you. I believe it's going to bless you. God's wanting to speak to us. How many of you know that God's got something for you to do in His kingdom? Do you, do you realize that? For some of us, it will be financial. For some of us, it will be ministry in the sense of preaching a sermon. For others, it will be going out and doing the work of a missionary or an evangelist. God is going to use us all in different ways, but he is going to use us for the same purpose, and that is for his kingdom. That's what it's about. All right, let's go to John chapter 21. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. The one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper. And he asked, Lord, who will betray you? Verse 21, Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return what is that to you? As for you, you just follow me. This is good. Watch. So the rumor spread among the community of believers. We love some good gossip. So rumor, gossip spread among the community of believers. Not the world, but the church. As church people love some good hot topics, some spicy talk. And so it spreads among the church, the community of believers, that this disciple wouldn't die. In other words, he was going to live forever. He was immortal. But this isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? The 21st century church, we have got to get what I am preaching to us today 
ingrained inside of us, engraved. We have to get this mentality. We have to let this overwhelm our spirit, the fact of equality not existing in the kingdom. It is the point that we look at today that we just went through a pride month, as many as of you may know. There are many different companies. I think Bud Light was one of the latest ones that used the transgender to get on and to give an announcement of how much they loved this Bud Light and things like this. And they lost billions of dollars already in market capital. Target came out and did the same thing early on. And before you know it, they lost about $10 billion market capita and it happened almost over the course of a night or a few days. Equality is all that we hear about in the 21st century in our day culturally. Equality means being equal or it means equal rights and while I agree with some of them, I want you to understand that we cannot use equality to justify our sins. Do you understand? So in other words, we, we use equality. There was, there was a shirt that came out that said trans quality. What they are trying to do is saying you should give me equal rights just as much as you have. And that is why you have a biological male swing, swimming on a girl's swim team and winning all the trophies and grinning about it. And being excited about it, it is all because somebody screamed out, give us equality. And they do it oftentimes to cover up their sins. In other words, what they felt like equality meant is acceptance. If you make us equal, then you are accepting us for who we are. But see, culturally, that is not the way that equality is supposed to work. It also is not the work this way in the kingdom of God. Now, before you tune me out, let me start explaining this before I get into the heart of my sermon. When we come to Jesus Christ... We have perfect equality in the sense you've heard it said many times. Well, that ground is level at the foot of the cross. Anybody ever heard a preacher say that? What they mean by that is very simple. That I can come to Christ and he will save me. A transgender can come to Jesus that has become apostate and give their life to Christ and be willing to change. God will love them just as much as he loves me. The world's worst sinner, full of pedophiles and things like this, they can come to an altar and we, we may want to stone them and we may want to kill them and we, we may say we don't want them nowhere near the church. But see, let me explain something to you. In God's eyes, he loves them just as much as he loves me and as much as he loves you. So in that sense, equality is a good thing, right? But in my text, God wanted Peter to understand equality doesn't work like that, son. Because Peter looked at John and he said, hey, what about this guy over here when Jesus says, wait a minute, you don't need to get equal rights with John. You're not going to get everything John gets. And I'm not going to use you just like I used John. Oh, God help me today. There is a difference in their kingdom work. Understand with me today. If you think you can look at somebody else's life and say we should have equality because we both serve Jesus. In other words, if God loves me like he loves him, then God is going to bless me just like he blesses him. But that is not the way that the kingdom of God works. So equality is not necessarily transferable in the kingdom of God. See, God has a plan for your life. If you believe that, say amen. Every one of you in this church, that should have been the loudest amen that I get in the next year. If you truly believe that God has a special calling, a special plan and purpose for your life, let me tell you today, I know He has a plan for you. I am confident that He has a plan for me. And the plan that He has for you and the plan that He has for me, it may not seem as glorious as the plan that He had for the late Billy Graham who literally won possibly a million plus people to Jesus Christ in his lifetime. I mean, who wouldn't want to be a Billy Graham, right? But here's the deal. 
God has a plan uniquely designed just for me. And I need you to grab that in your spirit. You and I are not going to be equals. We are not going to do the same thing in the kingdom of God. There's going to be differences. God's going to bless you in ways that he doesn't bless me. And vice versa. God is going to give me giftings that you're going to wish you had, but you're not going to get them. There's some of you out there that you can sing, man, you can sing. And your neighbor listens to you every Sunday and thinks, man, they ought to be on stage with a microphone. I wish I could sing like that. If we could get equality, what would we do? We would say, Lord, I'm going to sing like that. But God doesn't necessarily want to use you in that form or that fashion. See, I'm not the Apostle Paul today. I know some of you thought I was, but I'm not. The guy wrote 13 books of the New Testament. I haven't even wrote a book yet. I got a little journal one time. thought, man, I'm going to write down my life's history. One day I can write an awesome book like some of the other guys do. There we go. I got about the page two or three, and I decide I'm giving up on this. This is not worth it. I'm going to do like they do. I'm just going to pay another guy to write it for me and put my name on it. Oh, somebody say amen. They know I'm right if they're listening. I'm not the Apostle Paul. I understand that. I grasp that clearly. And see, if I want to be the Apostle Paul, let's just say I want equality, right? Lord, I want to be the Apostle Paul. See, here's the problem if I want equality then I've got to have the stripes on my back. Oh, I wish you'd help me preach today. I've got to have the stripes on my back that the Apostle Paul bears. And I've got to get thrown in the Pickens County Jail, and they're going to take a whip, and they are going to beat me. Blood's going to splash off of my back, and at midnight I'm going to sing praises to God. I'm going to go through shipwrecks. I'm going to go through loss. Ultimately, I am going to be beheaded. That means decapitato. It's gone off your shoulders. If I really want equality, then this is what I would get if I wanted to be the Apostle Paul. And see, what I want you to understand today is this. It really upsets Jesus when we start saying, why do I have to go this way, but they get to go that way? I'm telling you, it ups, I hear it in the text. I can hear it in the voice of Jesus. As he is letting us know with Peter, he is very quick and short-tempered, I feel like. When he wants him to know, why is he going this way, but you're going that way? Or why do I get everything, while, why do I have to do everything while they get away with doing absolutely nada? They do nothing, but they're blessing. I do everything. I opened up my Bible just this morning. I found it, and I'm going to flip there because it was in Luke chapter 10 that I was looking in my Bible this morning around verse 38 through 41, and there's these two sisters. One of them's name is Mary. The other's name is Martha. In the story, we've got Martha that is running around welcoming everybody into her house. Right? She has a sister who is called Mary. I want you to picture this. You're getting the mac and cheese. You're putting it on broil. You're trying to get the final touches. You're trying to mix up the salad. You've made homemade ranch salad dressing, and you're just working on it over here. One hand you're tossing, the other you're spinning the, the spoon. You're working. Oh my gosh, I think the bread's on fire. Hold on. They're working. Where? Martha is so busy trying to get everything together for everybody else. And then I've got Mary, the sister. And she's down on her knees over here talking about, God, I love you, Jesus. You're, you're a mighty Savior. You're a wonderful God. I praise you. Now, it bothered Martha because she wanted equality. She wanted Jesus to treat her just like he was treating Mary. He was treating Mary as if it was the best thing ever. And here goes Martha all by herself in the kitchen, working and laboring, trying to make everybody happy. But the Bible said Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached the Lord and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me 
to serve alone. Do you not see me struggling? Do you not see what I'm going through? Why in the world is Mary down yonder when she should be up here? Quote, therefore tell her to help me. You go over there and you get Mary up and you say, Mary, you go help your sister Martha. But Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed and Mary has chosen that good part and I will not take it away from her. What is God trying to say? Jesus is saying, Martha, you need to quit worrying about what Mary's doing. You have been distracted by things that really don't matter in the first place. But see, here's the deal. What I see about Martha is somebody's got to prepare, right? If nobody prepares, there's no food ready. So when I look at the story, I need a Martha and I need a Mary. Are you still with me? Nod your head. But then Jesus says, wait a minute. But when it comes to spirituality like this, she's doing the greater thing. In other words, he's saying the fried chicken could have waited. The preparing could have waited. You too could have fell down at my feet and you could have worshipped me too. I wish somebody would hear me today. We get so bothered by what somebody else is doing when God is saying to us, just worry about you. We compare blessings. Well, their house is bigger than my house. I don't like that, Lord. You should be thankful you have a house. But their car goes faster than my car. You should be glad that your car is still running. Ooh, don't everybody shout at once. I feel it today. God says, I don't need you comparing blessings. I don't need you comparing placements. In other words, where I put you. When I first got into the ministry, it was a struggle of mine. I was a young preacher... I was, I was called to preach when I was really young. At nine years old, I was preaching in churches. That was when I first accepted the call to preach. I started preaching when I was six years old, running around my living room, jumping from couch to couch with a little karaoke machine, screaming and hollering to the top of my lungs. That's where the anointing set in at. Nine years old, I was preaching at churches. By the age of 21 years old, I went to my first church, Man, God help us, Jesus. Toughest place i ever been. I'll tell them to this. I don't even know if the church is still open. I have no idea. It would surprise me if it was. Honest to God, it would. But I remember when God started placing me places. And I remember I'd preach sermons and I'd think to myself, Why do you have me here? Can I be real with you for a minute? Why did you place me here? Because I should be over there. Do you know what that's called? That's called pride. And God has to get that out of us. And so when God started moving me and I'm going here and I'm going there and I'm going there, I still struggled with it. I had a decent church. I was even getting a full-time pay, meaning that it wasn't bivocational. That means the thing that God had called me to do, I was now able to do it full-time. I should be shouting from the rooftop, hallelujah. I'm able to do this. There's some that aren't. There's some that are bivocational. They work a job all week long, then still have to preach a sermon. I'm blessed. And so, but at that moment, I didn't see it that way. And I began to ask God, well, why is this preacher? I've heard them preach. They can't preach their way out of a wet paper bag. How in the world did they get that church? Some of you are thinking the same thing. I know it. <laughs> you just didn't want to say it. And I'm thinking, how in the world did they get that and you have given me this? See, what I'm feeling to understand is that God has blessed me where I am. When we get in this frame of mind, we begin to see even God's blessing, blessings as injustices that God has given to us. It's an injustice. 
God is doing them better than he's doing me. Oh, y'all know I'm preaching it right today. And I began to ask God, but finally one day God let me know. He said, you need to quit worrying about them and you need to do what you do where you are. You need to get anointed and walk in favor where you are. I can bless you there. Oh, whenever we get to this place and authority and everything else that we start comparing to other people, we find this injustice. God has done me wrong. Woe is me. Boo-hoo. If God really loved me, he'd bless me like he blessed them or he would give me what he's given them. If you leave that unchecked, you are going to have a root of bitterness that is going to spring up in your life. That's all you get is bitter. You get bitter because God's doing you wrong. That's what equality is about in our culture. We're getting treated unfairly. Get over it. It's called life. And I'm telling you, there are times in our spiritual man that we get this way with God. And a bitter root springs up inside. See, Paul warned us a long time ago. And he said, you better be careful. Lest a root of bitterness springs up in you. And if you're not careful, if you allow the root of bitterness to stay inside of you, it is going to spread not only to your heart, it's going to spread to your congregation. And a root of bitterness will go all the way through your church. When you have a root of bitterness, ultimately, you get a negative outlook on life. It's a dangerous place to be. See, so can, I, can I say it this way? God has been good to you. Celebrate in that. It may not be the same as your neighbor. It may not be the same as a person down the road. But I'm telling you, Jesus loves you with an unforgiving love. He loves you more than you could ever dream possible. And if you've got a roof over your head, and if you've had the blessings of God in your life, you ought to praise God for it. You ought to thank God for it. Don't focus on what you don't have. Because when you are faithful over a little, there's a God that said, I'm going to give you more. You just be faithful where you are. And don't question the sovereignty of God our Father. God's done me wrong. It's an injustice. It's, it's injustice, negative outlook, pessimism. But I've learned a valuable lesson over the years. You never know what God is doing behind the curtain. Our little church, we used to have Christmas plays. And we put on some pretty doggone good. I use that word doggone. That's country right there. Y'all love it. I, I'm talking your language now, ain't I? Pickens County. Praise the Lord. We used to put on those things, and I remember we had a little black curtain we got, and one guy had the job. We, we didn't have the money to buy the automatic ones. I don't even know if they had automatic back then. We had one guy, he swept the whole time, going on each side, and you hear those curtains just rolling back and forth. They roll them on each side. Y'all used to have some up there, and you just roll. You never know what's going on behind the curtains. We'd get in what we'd call a cut scene. And they close those curtains. And what they don't know. Now some of them are just sitting out there and you just enjoying the play. But what you don't see is behind the scene. Everybody's running around. The person with a speaking part gets back on. You're wondering why he's like. The angel said. It's because they had been back there moving some of the huge builds that had been built for the Christmas play. And every now and then you'd hear. Boom, boom. Everything get quiet. Oh, somebody fell. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? You never know what's going on behind the scenes. So I'm trying to tell somebody in your spiritual life, when you're sitting here feeling an injustice and you're sitting here saying, God hasn't been fair to me, it's inequality, I want you to understand you don't know what God is doing behind the curtain for you. And when that thing opens up, do you know what it is? It's a new stage. It's a new scene. And that's what, that, see, that's the anticipation that I feel in my soul because God's been so good to me. I'm just waiting to see what's going to be behind the curtain because I hear something back there. I hear God moving. I hear things shifting. Just wait until the curtain opens. God's got something special behind it just for you. Woo, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I often ride by some properties and houses, and I think to myself sometimes. We were going somewhere the other week. I saw an estate a little like the size of Texas. I thought to myself, whoo, that must be nice. Anybody ever said that? 
Did you know I really don't need a bigger house? Do you know how hard it is to clean? I mean, somebody, you can hire maids. No, I can't. <laughs> no. The days of slavery are over. I ain't hiring nobody to do that. I'll clean my own house. And I go up in there, and I'm cleaning, and I'm working, and I think sometimes, man, I don't need nothing bigger than this. But I look at those estates, I think to myself, oh my gosh, it must be nice to live that lifestyle. Oh, it must be nice to have all those say, pretty horses in the front, about ten of them. And they cost a lot just to have one for the year. And you're thinking, oh, what a beautiful place this is. But see, this is what we don't know that they know. Is there some of them people, they have never put Christ first in their life. They never stepped foot in a church. And they would give every bit of what they have. They would give their estate some nights uh, if they could just have the peace of God that you've got down in your soul because you know who Jesus is. Quit looking at everybody else, Peter. Worry about you. Oh, God have mercy. Well, this isn't one to start revival, is it, today? You're not qualified. I'm not qualified to make the judgment. That belongs to God. All right, that belongs to God. I'm not qualified to make a judgment and say, God, you should treat me like you're treating them. Because the one thing I learned about God is He's sovereign, right? That means everything is under His control. The thing that I've learned about God is He's omnipotent, He's all powerful, He's omniscient. That means He's all knowing, He's omnipresent. He can be here, and He can be way over yonder. He can be way over there. He can be on this continent, on that continent. This is the God that I serve. He's so great and vast. The earth cannot hold Him, nor the heavens. This guy, He is huge. He is everything. He is life itself. And so when I think about this God that I serve, He is strategic in everything He does. In every relationship that you make, God strategically is putting those people into your life. I want you to think about that. Has anybody ever ran into somebody, you never knew them, but then you became best friends for life? It wasn't by accident. God put them into your life for that season. Some of them to last with you a lifetime. God is strategic. We talked about it on Wednesday nights for you that, you that have missed it. When you flip from the book of Malachi in your Bible in the Old Testament and you're going to flip over into the book of Matthew. In most Bibles, there is a white page, all right? There is a white page that separates the Old Testament from the New Testament. The one thing that we talked about in our, in our talks on Wednesday nights was this page right here. I call it the blank page. But what we learned on Wednesday nights is that God was literally using kings and using kingdoms, yes, even politics, to advance His kingdom. Everything that God did was strategically shifting, preparing the world for the coming of Jesus Christ. And I am telling us in this building today that everything that God does in your life, it is strategic, not by chance. God is positioning you. He's positioning our church for where we are going. Some of the things that God is doing, I can't even see them yet. I have no idea what they are. But I know that God is shifting some things. And I have to understand that this God that I serve, we used to say God is good. And the church would say all the time. And then we'd say all the time, God is good. See, I want you to know that good, God is good all the time to his people. Even when it's painful, God is good. Even when you are suffering and going through hell on earth, God is good. I'm telling you, you don't need to look and say, why is this happening to me? Or why is this not happening to me? God has has a plan. Go to John chapter 9. I want to show you this really quick. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a blind man who had been blind from where? He was born this way, right? Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or the sins of his parents? Which one of these people sinned? Because we know somebody sinned. God said it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Jesus answered, this happened. Why? So the power of God 
could be seen in him. I got to take a minute to process that. That is too great for my little finite mind to even comprehend. Jesus said, this man was born blind. You were holding it in your arms and you were rocking it. It never sees mama. All it does is hear mama's voice. Daddy says, oh, you're so cute. You're so precious. You're so pretty. And you got to hold up to the mirror realizing, oh, it's blind. It can't even see itself. It doesn't even know its own features. What a sad life to live. Comes up as a boy. He's being guided to school. He's walking around with his little cane. He's trying his best to make his way. Probably a walking stick. And he's trying to find his way through crowds and through marketplaces. And they're grabbing him. Come this way, son. Don't run into him. His whole life, he has been blind. That's horrible. Can I get an amen? Do you agree with me? It's horrible. But if this blind man would have went his whole life saying, God, why in the world would you do me this way? This is an injustice. If you loved me, you wouldn't have made me blind. I don't get anywhere where this man complains. Even after he is healed, he could have looked at Jesus and said, Why did you? I've been doing this for so many years. Why would you allow that to happen to me? I got to give you a piece of my mind. No, all he did was celebrate and and say, I don't know who this man is, but what I do know is I was born blind, but now I can see. And he goes jumping and leaping and praising God. He could have cried equality, inequality, God you did me wrong, but instead he understood something that my mind cannot grasp, and that is that God had me this way for a purpose, and it was so that years down the road, when Jesus Christ comes and they are questioning, is this man really who he says he is? Is this man the Son of God? Strategically, God had been working behind the scenes and said, Johnny's going to be born on this day. He's going to be at this place. And Jesus, when he's 30 or so years old, he's going to walk up to that boy and he is going to heal him. And people are going to know that he is the Son of Almighty God. God is up to something in your life. Believe me. Oh, Jesus. God has a specific plan for your life and you should thank God that plan is working it may require loneliness on your part at times it may cause you to cry and require tears it may require suffering some days how would I know that God could heal if I was never sick I have to be sick in order for God to heal it may require lack Maybe I do have to suffer a little bit and I have to pray and ask God, give me the resources I need. But God doesn't. Understand with me today, ladies and gentlemen, if I never needed God to provide for me, I'd have no need to ask him for provision. God has to strategically take us through these seasons in order to show us he can do it. That is why people go bankrupt, but they come back from their bankruptcy, rise from the ashes, and God brings them back even higher than they were before. He takes a job and breaks him down, allows him to fall on the ground just in sackcloth and ashes, feeling like he has nothing to live for. He has nothing to contribute to society. But there's a God that shows up and says, Job, I've been working a master plan the whole time. You're about to get back everything you had. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you double what you had before. That is the God that I serve. Don't give up on God. It may require storms. It may require rain. But we were riding the other day, and we looked to our right, and there was a beautiful rainbow. Before I can have the rainbow, what do I have to have? I have to have the rain. Don't 
scream inequality as if God is treating you worse than anybody else. If you will be faithful, even though I don't understand you, I am still going to trust you. God is doing an amazing work in my life. Do you trust Him today? Do you have faith in Him? He will be your honey in the rock if you'll let Him. He'll be your angel in the lion's den. He'll be your fourth man in the fire. He'll be your lily in the valley. He'll be your Lord and your God. He'll be your Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is my provider. That's who He is. Come to the piano. I'm closing. Give me a little more floor. My voice. I, I want to leave you with this. This is what keeps me alive. I am doing what I do because God has a plan for my life. Some of you tomorrow morning. You need to get up. You need to splash your face with cold water. You need to grab your cup of coffee. And you need to say, I live today because God has something special planned for me. Anytime I get my eyes off of Jesus, and I get my eyes on other people. I begin to get a stern reaction from Jesus. For in the text, this is what it says. He looks at him in chapter 21 and verse 20. Peter turns around sees this other disciple who Jesus loved. Who had leaned on his breast. Peter seeing him said, but Lord, what about this man over here? Jesus said, if I will that he remain to I come, what is that to you? Just follow me. He goes on and says it again, which Jesus replies, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? Today I am saying to you, Quit looking at your neighbor and everybody else around you. Don't worry about them. God has something special planned for you. Mute her microphones. It may not be as glamorous as some other people. It may not be as big as what God has planned for them in the world's eyes. But remember, it's not your ministry anyhow. It's God's ministry. So everything that you do, do it with all your might for the glory of God. Let's all stand. I'm closing. It is all about Him. So when I get to the end, Byron, can I tell you, God is going to judge me, right? He is not going to judge me based on your performance. He is going to judge me based on my performance and vice versa. We don't need to play this comparison game. You know, I remember even as growing up as a young pastor, since I'm being so real today, there were seasons in my life that I would ask God, why why didn't you give me that gift that that pastor has? Why am I not better at that? To which God and the Spirit begins to quicken me and says, I called you because you are you. I didn't call you and place you somewhere so you could be like somebody else. I called you because you bring to the table what only you can bring. We don't want a pile of Jimmy's running around. Somebody shout hallelujah. It would be dangerous for the church. Not everybody could handle me. Thank you for bearing with me. I'm a unique type. I'm different. But I understand today all that I have to be is me. There was a story that was written several years ago. It's called A Truly Unique Preacher.
It was a black gentleman by the name of Harry Hoosier. John and Charles Wesley, anybody ever heard of them, set foot in America. The year's around 1736. They're known as the circuit-riding preachers. That means that they ride on horses. They do not have a jet plane to get them places so they can preach a big camp meeting. Oh, God, don't everybody shout at once. They just got on the back of their horses, and in the town they rode, <laughs> and they preached the gospel. They had a goal. It was a time of segregation, obviously. They wanted to preach to the white congregation. They wanted to preach to the Indians. They also wanted to preach to the African-American community. There were some struggles because John and Charles Wesley wanted to reach out more so to Indians and the African-American community. To which some of the higher-ups said to them, no, 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 no. You preach to your white community. And so that's what they ultimately did. But they had the desire for the other. But as they were preaching... The congregations begin to mix and mingle. And so among this crowd and church, it really becomes like a picture of heaven. So John Wesley keeps preaching like he's preaching. Out of this crowd came some preachers. And there was a black man by the name of Harry Hoosier. They started nicknaming him the Black Harry. Now understand, at this time, Harry was not supposed to have a mic and supposed to be preaching. He was a slave. He was an illiterate. A matter of fact, this is the way they wrote of this man. They said, Harry is illiterate. He can't read. He cannot write. And so his original job was to go around with the Methodist bishop by the name of Francis Ashbury. Harry Hoosier sometimes said it this way. He said, I sing by faith. I, I pray by faith. I'll preach by faith and do everything by faith. Without faith in the Lord Jesus, I can do nothing. But the black carry began to circulate through all churches until finally he would go with Ashbury, who was the great bishop. And Ashbury would preach his sermon. To which Harry would get up afterwards. He started allowing him to get up after. Originally he was just supposed to pretty much go with him. And, and, and drive the carriage. And basically serve him. And look after Ashbury. To make sure Ashbury had everything he needed. He's kind of a behind the scenes kind of guy. One of the men that signed the Declaration of Independence said it this way. He called Hoosier the greatest orator that America had ever had. Ashbury began to see the talent of this man. And he said, I really believe this. After hearing him preach one sermon, he said he is one of the best preachers in the entire world. There is an amazing power that attends his preaching that we cannot read. He is one of the most humblest creatures that I have ever met in my entire life. Hoosier never learned to read. He never learned how to write. He would listen to Ashbury preach. And as Ashbury would read his text from the Bible, the Spirit would come on Hoosier and he would begin to memorize the Scripture. And so as he memorized them, he would get up and he would quote the Scripture and then he would preach. A guy came to him one day, a friend, and said, Harry, said, would you like for me to teach you how to read and even to write? To which he said, no, I don't write. Because Hoosier considered his illiteracy as a gift from God. And he told his friend, said, I'm afraid that if I learn to read and write, then I'm afraid this anointed gift to preach the gospel will leave me. I'll depend on myself more than I depend on him. Long story short, Ashbury would preach. Hoosier would get up and he'd exhort the people. You need to listen to what Ashbury said. He's preaching to all white congregation now. And all of a sudden, the crowd started growing. The Indians, the whites, the African-American community, all of them started filling the places where they were preaching. They didn't come to hear Ashbury preach. History says that many of them just wanted to catch a glimpse of Harry Hoosier.
because of such a great anointing that had been on his life. His voice was musical. His tongue as a pen of a ready writer. But yet he could not read and he could not write. It says that Hoosier spoke by immediate divine inspiration. The man by the name of Harry Goff gave Hoosier his freedom around the end of the American Revolution. It is said that Hoosier may have returned to North Carolina to see his mother. And there is the place that God strategically put him with Ashbury in the year 1780 to which the great bishop considered it providentially arranged. Harry Hoosier was a man who made quite an impact on early America. And he is a man that is worth knowing about. A unique ministry that only Harry Hoosier could bring to unite a season of segregation even among the church. God used a guy most of you have never even heard of to get the job done. I am saying to every one of us today, I don't need equality in the kingdom. I do not need what you have. I do not need to be who you are. I don't need your giftings because God has already given me what I need to succeed. Believe it or not, you don't need mine either. God has already given you the gifts you need to succeed. Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name that there's an anointing in this house. You have your hand on every one of us. I am asking you today that we would not be like Peter and worry about what's going on with this one or that one in the church. Jesus said, what is that to you? In other words, it's none of your business. You just do what I called you to do. Father, help us to be grateful for what you have blessed us with. Help us to be thankful for the ministry and the giftings and the talents that you have given to us. And if we will be faithful with what you have given to us, you will give us even greater than we have. It's about you. It's about your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. How many of you in this house today? Praise the Lord. How many of you in this house today? You grab what I'm telling you. That God is using you in this season for something special. Amen. I need you to grab it. Amen. I need you to grab it. Because what happens in our churches is we feel inadequate. And we think we'll just sit back here and we'll be in the background like Harry was originally. We're just going to, I'll just serve you. I'll help you do what you, but, but, but God, what am I going to do? I, I'm, I'm fine back here. And sometimes we can end up sitting on a pew our entire life doing absolutely nothing for the kingdom of God. That is not the will of God for your life today. I, this is a call to action. Because there are some giftings right here in this church that are yet to be revealed. They are yet to be used. But as I read a book by Charles Barnett, or Tommy Barnett rather, several years ago. And Tommy said it this way. There's a miracle in your house. The point of the book was very simple. It was this. It's not about equality. It was about simply understanding that everything that you need as a church to become the church God wants you to become, it is already sitting in your house. You may not know it yet. You may pray, God, I just need you to send somebody. God, I need this. God, I need that. And God's saying, wait a minute. They're in there. I've already given it to them. There's somebody in your house that can do that. So I'm calling you to action. And I'm telling you, quit feeling inadequate and quit hollering inequality. When God blesses somebody and you feel like he's not blessing you, all I need you to focus on is doing what God called you to do. And I promise you, God will bless you too. Waymaker, sing it. Miracle worker, promise keeper. 
Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Jennifer, go ahead and set up the Calwood. Get prepared for the t-shirts. Waymaker, miracle worker, he's my promise keeper. My light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Even when I don't see it, listen. Oh, even, even when, when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Oh, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. Sing this chorus with me. Let's close. You You are my way maker. Way maker. Miracle worker. Promise keeper. Light in the darkness. My God. That is who you are. Let the Lord use you this week, child of God. You are. Let the Lord use you. He's going to connect you with some people this week. It is not going to be by chance, not by coincidence. God is strategically going to put you in a position that you can be a blessing to somebody else. I'm begging you by the grace of God, please do it. Please do it. God wants to use you. God bless you guys. Shake hands and be friends. God bless you. Amen. You're my way maker, Lord. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you 